Welcome to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Today is Friday, December 6th, our first episode of the new month, the last month of 2019, episode 16, coming at you right now. My name is Justin Hubbard. I am the sports editor of Lake Oconee News. Typically, I'm joined by Trevor Bowden, our Gatewood sports reporter over at the Eaton Messenger, but Trevor could not be with me today, so it's going to be a little bit different this week. I'm going to fly through some basketball stuff and catch up on all of that, and then after that, Will Petty's going to join me, and we are going to spend a good bit of time talking about the NFL and college football. It is a huge week outside the realm of Lake Country sports, and frankly, I don't want to talk to myself the entire time, so we're going to get through the local stuff very quickly and then we are going to dive into uh, football abroad. So basically this week I'm just going to fly through our teams and their records and do very quick hitter updates and call it a day. And uh, I'll start with Gatewood. First of all, the boys' basketball team has not played a game this season. The Gators will tip off Monday against Westminster. The Gatewood girls, however, have played three games. They are 1-2. and two. They return to action Monday against Westminster, and then Tuesday they travel down to Sparta to take on the John Hancock Academy Lady Rebels. Just up the road from Gatewood, Putnam County's girls are 5-0, fresh off of a 46-40 victory Tuesday at Oconee County. They played up a couple of levels and went and got a big win on the road. Putnam's boys, however, are 0-5. They lost at Oconee 64-51, tough break there. And uh, tonight, the War Eagle teams play at Social Circle. And then tomorrow, they play at Washington High School in Atlanta. So uh, a couple of uh, road games coming up for the War Eagles. Green County's girls are down to 0-3. They lost against Monticello on Tuesday, 42-35. Yet another close loss. Lady Tigers are chipping away trying to get that first win. The boys, however, improved to 3-0 after knocking off the Hurricanes 58-54. A come-from-behind victory there. Tonight, the Tiger teams travel to Aquinas. They play at Monticello tomorrow, and then they stay on the road Tuesday at GMC Prep. The Nathaniel Green Academy girls team nearly got its first region victory on Tuesday, but took a 26-23 loss to Faith Christian Academy at home. The boys, however, won that game 64-28 over Faith Christian to improve to 2-1. The girls are 0-3. Next up, the boys team is going to play Covington Academy tonight. And then both teams will host Thomas Jefferson Academy out of Louisville on Tuesday. Morgan County's girls improved to 2-3 this past Tuesday. 1-0 in region play after knocking off Franklin County 46-36. I was there. It wasn't really that close, but they put in some subs in the fourth quarter to get them some action. And uh, Franklin chipped away at the end, but just not enough to come back and win. So the Lady Dogs secured a victory there. The boys team, however, fell to 0-3 losing to Franklin 67-58. Monumental loss there, an end of a a ridiculous streak. The Bulldogs had won 71 consecutive region games, dating all the way back to December 6, 2013. Almost six calendar years without a region loss. And I guess technically you could say it was 72 games because they did defeat Hart County for last year's state championship. That is, of course, a Region 8 AAA opponent. So, A very, very long streak comes to an end for Morgan's boys, and uh, they are still searching for their first win of the year. Tonight, the Bulldog teams travel to Hart County, and then they come home tomorrow to host Salem. And finally, at Lake Oconee Academy, the Lady Titans improved to 3-2 on Tuesday after knocking off Aquinas 47-45. Dramatic victory there. Had a big lead and lost it and came back and won. The LOA boys fell to 0-3, Coming into Thanksgiving break, we do not have a score as of this recording from that Aquinas game. So uh, it remains to be seen whether the Titans improved on that record or uh, fell to 0-4. Tonight, the Titans host Lincoln County for their uh, homecoming games. And then tomorrow, excuse me, on Tuesday, they travel to Hancock Central. And finally, of course, we've got one football team still standing. The Gatewood Gators play Briarwood today at Mercy University for the GISA Class 2A State Championship. I believe I got that right. Trevor Bowden is going to be on site providing all the updates that you need from that game. Be sure to follow along on our social media, and he'll be back next week to break down whether the Gators won or lost the state championship game. If they win, it'll be two championships in a row for, I believe, the first time 
in school history. So they got a good chance to make some history today in Macon. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I was by myself for the local segment. That's the reason I completely zoomed through it. But we're going to bring in Will Petty, the editor of the Ball of Bulletin now. Hello. Will, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, did a uh, lot of traveling. And, nice. You know, visited family all over the place. Jefferson and uh, Loganville. So. Nice, nice, nice. I stayed put. I uh, did some Black Friday shopping for the first time ever. Won't do it again. Oh, I did Black Friday shopping <laughs> on Amazon.com. So Yeah, yeah. I went in person, and I should just stuck to online sales. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, uh, my Dallas Cowboys had a rough Thanksgiving. Thankfully, <laughs> my unsuccessful Black Friday shopping distracted me from that game. I'm not going to come on here and rant. I just want to say, again, they they got to move on for Jason Garrett. If, there's, if there was never – if there was any doubt before, it's gone now. Y'all Just had to throw that out. Y'all still them boys? No, not this year. <laughs> Sad well, part hey, is they are still probably going to win the division. Uh, oh, yeah. Cause and they, might even fool around and win a playoff game. Well, so. I mean, that's the thing. Is, uh, you know, No matter how bad y'all looked against the Buffalo Bills, y'all weren't the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. losing the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and they may lose this week to a returning Eli Manning, which would be just <laughs> glorious if it yes. happens. Probably will. Okay, we're not talking Cowboys today. But I do want to get your thoughts on the firing of Ron Rivera, the longtime Carolina Panthers coach, winning his Panthers coach ever. I know that wasn't a very high bar to begin with, but was he uh, like the only? Kid? Oh no, no, I'm sure he's sort of like five or four. Yeah. So he he took him to the Super Bowl a few years back. Got clobbered by Denver. They have not been the same since. Uh, did this firing make sense to you? I know you're a longtime Panthers. Uh, Apologist, you love you love your Carolina team up there, but <laughs> but but do you think this is the right move? Has Carolina ever made the right move? I mean, either way, it's going to be a disaster for them. Um, I think Rivera can honestly go to another team and probably find some success, or he can, might can be a coordinator at one of the other teams. He might even go to college. We don't know. I, I don't think Rivera was the full problem. But, you know, he's been towing that Gus Malzahn-like line for years now, and it's just because of a fan base that is just, you know, absolutely savage at times. I mean, look, your your Panthers are never going to be a dynasty. You know, they're going to they're gonna win the NFC South maybe once or twice a decade, if that, um, they, you know... the. Their playoff run is about the same as the Falcons. I mean, it's just not going to happen that often. I don't know if who if they can get anyone in there that's going to be any better or any worse for them. They're just Carolina. Yeah, it kind of took me by surprise. I have not really followed the Panthers this year. Obviously, we have discussed the Cam Newton situation. You can't help that. You can't help that your franchise quarterback is hurt and has been hurt for two years. been just as good, though. Exactly. I, I, I thought he had done a pretty good job of getting the team through this uh, seemingly lost se- season. Excuse me. But, yeah, they, they've made the decision. I did see one reporter, um, what's the word I'm for, kind of speculate, I guess, that because they fired him so early and because the firing coincides with the end of the college football regular season, that the Panthers may be looking toward the college ranks for a coach. Right. That opens up a lot of possibilities. Uh, so, I mean, we, we could see Jim Harbaugh leave Michigan. He didn't get it done yet again against Ohio State. There's a couple of other names that seemingly are going to come up. Don't, don't you soon, say so. it. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. <laughs> we'll talk about the main one in a couple of minutes if, if, if we're thinking of the same guy. Uh, oh, no, you're, you're thinking Lincoln, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's. I think he's staying put unless Dallas comes open, um, or till Dallas comes open, I should say, because I think Jason Garrett's gone. But yeah, I, I thought it was kind of surprising. But um, if that is their thinking, it was the right time to do it because you got to give the team time to interview candidates and find a possible replacement. I'm just curious to see which direction they go from here. All right, let's talk about a few games this week. Right. Major NFC action right here. San Francisco 49ers, they are 10-2 traveling to the Superdome to take on the Saints, who are 10-2 as well. Uh, we, we've been high on the 49ers on this show, and they've, they just took another loss to Baltimore. 
10 and 2 is not a bad year, obviously, but they have kind of lost a little bit of their shine the last few weeks. Do you think they get it back on the road? Yeah, because you know what? I think that while the 49ers lost a by field goal to a Ravens team that continues to prove you wrong. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, when we talk about New Orleans, they, they've just not been impressive at all. I mean, it sort of seems like they lost their muster since Breeze has came back. And have you noticed it's been specifically since Breeze has come back? It's not, you know, they, they had everything rolling with Bridgewater. Breeze comes back. They, they're, they're still the Saints. They're still 10-2, but, I mean, they lost to the Falcons. Yeah, but they've won three since then. They also almost lost to the Falcons again. Hmm. I mean, they they just, they've been a little shaky, and I think that uh, the 49ers are going to come in. Let's see, you know, is Sherman okay? Did, did we ultimately find out about that? I mean, I know he was injured toward the end of the game. Not sure. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, as long as the 49ers defense is healthy, I I just don't see the Saints winning this one, and I honestly would be surprised if it's close, just because I think that the Saints are kind of on a fallout right now. I got to disagree. Um, I I think the Saints, they've won three in a row. No, they've not all been pretty. Should have beaten the Falcons a lot worse on Thanksgiving. Um, and they wound up pulling away a little bit and comfortably winning that game. But it was, it was kind of close early. On the other side, I do think San Francisco, I'm not completely giving up on them by any stretch. I still think they have the potential to be the NFC's Super Bowl team. Um, but they've been strong overall, but iffy against some of these better teams they've played. That mixed with playing in front of that Saints crowd, I think, is a recipe for the Saints to pull off the victory. I'm going to pick them close, 28-17. All right, well, you know, another game that's coming up that's going to have a lot of excitement and a lot of, you know, butts in the seats is the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. Mahomes and Brady, uh, you know, in New England. Why, why do you think about on this one? I'm I'm really excited to see what happens when you mix this elite Kansas City offense against a very, very good to elite New England defense. I think that is both of these two teams' strengths. And I think this game has the potential to be high scoring because I do think Kansas City's offense will find a way to exploit the New England defense. And the Patriots' offense has not looked very good lately, but I'm not sold on the Kansas City defense. I think they... They hang their hats on being able to outscore their opponents and, you know, whatever happens defensively happens. And so I think the time is ripe for New England to break out of this slump they've been in. Um, And I I think Brady could have a pretty good game. I think it'll be high scoring, relatively speaking. I think it'll be close. But at the end of the day, Kansas City's offense is just a little bit too strong. I like them winning 31-20. See, I think Kansas City's got the better offense, but uh, the thing about the Chiefs is their defense has been lackluster at times. Mm-hmm. And while you know New England has an elite defense, they they don't their offense ain't too shabby considering who they got you know leading the brigade out there. So uh, I'm actually going to go the opposite. I'm going to say the Patriots okay. are going to win by ten, and it's just because of how just inefficient the Chiefs defense has been this year. We have talked a lot about the Seattle Seahawks the last few weeks. They are in yet another big game. Uh, at least from a quality opponent standpoint, traveling to the Los Angeles Rams. The Seahawks are 10-2 and after winning their last five, and the Rams are 7-5 and overall. Do you think the Seahawks keep rolling, or do the Rams have something for them? I think the Seahawks keep rolling. You know, I I have my doubts, you know, and I've always been a, always been a strong defender of the Rams, but, I mean, have we been seeing the Seahawks team this year? I mean, I know it's West Coast, so we tend to not get as many of their games, but... I mean, Seattle's just been potent, and L.A. has been kind of up and down. You you don't really know. They might be a wild-card team. I'm starting to think they're not going to be because, you know, when you got, like, either the Seahawks or the 49ers being a wild-card team guaranteed, and you got the Vikings or the Packers being a wild-card team, mm-hmm. I there, there's no route for the Rams to make it at this point, I don't think. Um, so I think the Seahawks have more to lose. They... You know, they may smell blood depending on what happens with this 49ers Saints game and see an opportunity to pounce and take that, you know, bye week opportunity. So I'm going to go Seahawks big here. I'm going to say Seahawks 17. I'm going to pick it to win. I'm not going to say big because I think, I think the Rams at home have a chance to make a statement 
and to record a turning point victory if the Rams' offense shows up. I I think Jared Goff has raised a lot of questions this season on the whole as of his long-term viability. You know, I, from my understanding, Gurley has not been particularly effective. Uh, so the offense is only going to go as far as either of those guys will take it. So I, I think they've, to this point, 7-5 is a mediocre record. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. They've got too much talent to be just 7-5, two wins above 500. I think they're going to come out this week with a chance on a national stage, Sunday night football, and give their absolute best effort against Seattle. They're going to play well, I think. But Seattle is just too good. I think Seattle wins 31-27, and here's an even bolder prediction. The Rams will officially be done after this. I think their playoff chances are going to take a huge hit. I think their confidence is going to take a huge hit. And with a loss on Sunday, that will make them 7-6, and six, and they will not have a lot of time to correct it. I think the Seahawks win, and you know, thanks for coming, Rams. Well, this is a major week throughout the world of college football. It's conference championship week, and in a lot of cases, college football playoff semifinal week, or I guess quarterfinal week, I should say. Uh, we'll get to those games in just a moment, but news broke earlier this week that US, USC is going to stick with Clay Hilton as their head coach. A lot of speculation, including some from yours truly, all throughout the year that Clay Hilton was just a lame duck. He was going to be fired, and they were going to bring in Urban Meyer. It's not happening. What What is your reaction to that? Are you surprised by this? I'm not really, because you know what? It's been two years. Like, give the guy a little bit more time to really do something. I mean, he's not been terrible. He's shown signs of life. He's, you know, he's got something going on there. I think that USC will be fine in the long run. Are they going to be a perennial powerhouse? No. I think Pac-12's gotten a little bit away from just USC versus everybody else. I think it was a smart call by USC not to put all their eggs in the Urban Meyer basket. I mean, I think Urban's quite happy where he's at right now. He may want to see something else open up, too. But, you know, given what happened at Ohio State, given uh, just the kind of stench that he's had from any program he's left. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, USC experienced that with Lane Kiffin already. Uh, I mean, so I think that maybe why well, everybody thought this was and, and Pete Carroll before then, yeah, but Pete Carroll didn't leave. Oh, oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he I did. mean, they had their their most recent Heisman just taken away. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think with you know with just these high profile coaches kind of tarnishing their legacy a little bit lately, I, I think it's fine to stick with Clay Helton to see let let see where it goes. I agree. I mean, he's only had like you said two years. And let's not forget early this season we all came here and just kind of laughed at the fact that they were playing their third-string quarterback after the first two got hurt. And they played pretty well, so he did a pretty good job coaching this They're team. They're making a bowl game, I mean. Exactly. He he steered them through a, a what would have been a very tough season for a lot of other teams. So give him credit there. The guy did a heck of a job this season, all things considered. I think next year, if they don't take a step and become uh, one of these Utahs or Oregons that gets to compete in the – uh, Pac-12 championship, which we'll discuss in a moment. Then I think they may move on. Uh, I think Urban, I, at this point, I think he's going to stay on TV. And a matter of fact, he's been doing some jabs uh, as we record this. I just saw a moment ago where he's kind of, you know, throwing some shade toward College Game Day and comparing the two shows. So I, I think he's happy where he's at. And I agree with you. I think USC is looking at it like our last two high-profile coaches left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. We don't we don't need Urban Meyer and his uh his brand to come and I think that is a good approach by USC. I don't think their fans are crazy about it, but they'll have to get over. I think Clay Hilton's a good coach and a year from now we could be looking at them in the Pac twelve championship. Well also remember, who did they have as their interim coach at one point? They just let him go. Oh yeah, Coach O. Yeah, yeah, I was out there for a while, man. I That's like, right. I got, I got no trojan ready to go. Yeah, that was a swing and a miss right there. Oh yeah, we, we, I could have went real far with them, man. Tell you why, <laughs> I, I could make them a Pac-12 dynasty, and you know what? I don't have any violations. <laughs> you know what? Screw the Trojans, go Tigers. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, you know, I know everything that's been getting on my nerves this week. I'm sure as a fellow Georgia grad, it has 
irked you a little bit too. Dabo Swinney's rant. Yeah. All right. Um, do you want to start, or should I just go ahead and kick this one off? It sounds like you want to kick this one off. I, I will kick you, this one off. You, you can have it to start. All right. So the gist of it is that uh, Clemson was treated unfairly, or would be treated unfairly if they would have lost Sucker Line, mm-hmm. whereas the NCAA just promoted Georgia. I think this year, if anything, we've already learned Strength of schedule matters. Who you play matters. Um, who has Clemson played? South Carolina was their toughest opponent in like five weeks. Yeah. Uh, A&M at the very beginning of the season was a tough opponent. So, I mean, I get it. They they had that. But, no, like, if they would have lost to South Carolina or they would have lost to anyone, that would have been their only chance to really show anything on their resume. Georgia, meanwhile, you know, beat Notre Dame at the end, or beginning of the season. Uh, yeah, they faltered to South Carolina, but they turned around and beat Florida, um, Texas A&M, Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. I mean, Georgia Tech. Oh, yeah, that's a big <laughs> one right there. Um, which, by the way, I think Clemson struggled with in the beginning of the season mm-hmm. for like 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, to be fair, so did Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think that, uh, I think what he's doing, he's just, he's doing theatrics, and I get it. You know, like, you you want to show value to your team. You want to make a point that, you know, you are worthy of the playoff. But you know what? If you just win out, you're worthy. Like, no one's going to say, oh, you're undefeated. You're the defending national champion. You're going to drop to the five spot. Like, who who would ever say that? Right. Um, Clearly, the committee did not. Right. They did so, no lower than third this year. Right. So I think, you know, what the committee has shown over and over again is they care about quality wins. It's nothing against Clemson. You know, they, they scheduled these opponents years ago. and It's not their fault other teams suck. Right. But at the same time, you know, with Georgia, I, I, I don't see the favoritism. If there's been any favoritism toward any team in the history of the NCAA and the playoffs and the championship series, it's never been Georgia. No. I mean, Georgia is usually the... One that's left out looking in for somebody else. So. I can remember, what was it, 2007 or 2008, Georgia went in number one and went 3-0 and or 4-0, and something like that, and fell a couple of spots just about every week. So, And that was just AP poll, a lot different than the college football playoff. I get that. But if anything, these, these rankings have always gone against Georgia. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I get Dabo. He's stating his case. He's trying to uh, bring his own guts to uh, to uh, the committee and have a little something for him. But we all know it's crap. He's trying to make Clemson look good. And I get that. But it's exactly like you said. They're the defending champs. They have that brand. People trust the Clemson football team to get the job done. All they had to do was come in and win. Clearly, they're st- they're number three. They could have had- they're number three, and the only reason they're not above those two teams is like you just expertly laid out. They played no ranked opponents. I guess Texas A&M would have been ranked at the time. They played nobody, nobody compared to especially LSU. But even Ohio State has a couple more quality wins than Clemson right. this year, and they had a joke of a schedule. So that tells you how big of a joke of a schedule Clemson's was. But at the same time, with with Clemson, it was like they could have a schedule consisting of Rice, Temple, Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. Rutgers, you know, yeah. and then the ACC, and they still would have made it. Right, right, right. They they could have played Cupcakes. All they could have they could played Citadel. Still would have been there. All they had to do was take care of business to this point, and then this coming week. Which we'll break down in a moment, but I also just named two teams Tech lost to. <laughs> I noticed, but I mean, he's on one hand I get it because you want your team to have as much of a a stake in this thing as possible, but on the other end, you would have thought they had lost. Yeah, this is what Nick Saban should have been doing Saturday night, mm-hmm. not Dabo Sweeney. Nick Nick Saban should have been saying, "We've won all but two of our games, and two of those games." were against ranked opponents, really good opponents, so they were close losses where if a couple plays had gone differently, we would have won. But you want to know what I think it ultimately boils down to? What's that? Well, who just, you know, whoever ends at number one, what do they get to decide? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he wants to be. And that's 100% what it is. He, he wants, wants to, to be play number the first one round so in he, Atlanta. 
So he can pick the, the location for his They game. want round one in Atlanta. Yeah. That's all it's about. Yeah. They don't want to have to travel all the way to Arizona and then yeah. turn around and go to Texas. Yeah. They they won't have, you know, a little 100-mile drive. And that's a big part of it, too. But I, I think it's much ado about nothing. I think Clemson, as I, I stated last week or the week before, and you and Trevor looked at me kind of weird, we'll hash all this out probably next week. But I think Clemson's probably going to win the championship this year. I think they're hitting their stride at the perfect time. I don't think any of this matters. But for some reason, Davo has decided to put that target on his back. The one good thing that came out of this was he roasted Paul Feinbaum. Well, yeah, you know, that's you know, always a good thing. Tip of the hat to Dabo for that, but come on, dude, you gotta, you gotta take a chance. Also, that's bold for a former Bama player to do. Yeah, like he just, he just lost himself as being the future of the Crimson Tide. But I don't think that was ever going to happen <laughs> yeah. anyway. Real quick, and then we'll get into this week's conference championship games. But Mike Bobo is on the market again. He was let go as the Colorado State Rams head coach. It had a few seasons there, couldn't really get them over the hump, and they decided to part ways a couple of days ago. Do you want Bobo back in Athens? I'm going to be a very unpopular, uh, I'm going to have an unpopular opinion, but no, I don't. Wow. Okay. Here's why. Show your work. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number. I mean, I get it. Okay, there's a difference between coordinator and coach. I understand mm-hmm. that. He did not do anything of substance. While at Colorado State, he went zero and five against Boise. He went one and five against Colorado. He went, you know, he he was not able to show up to these big games, to big rivalries in a Mountain West conference, or is it the Western Athletic? I don't even know. Whatever, <laughs> one, one of those mid minor conferences, he wasn't able to show up. Yeah, our our SEC bias is showing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, you know. Think about all the just griping we had back in the day when Bobo was there. If it was third and 20, we knew what was going to happen. He was going to run down the middle. And I understand there is that, you know, we're enamored with uh, the run game at Georgia. We think that we can just continue winning every game by running and running and tiring out the defensive line. And, you know, it just it, it's not going to be... Long term, I think the culture of the SEC as a whole is changing. I don't like an idea of just just being that focused on the run in the future. Now, all that said, I wouldn't mind him coming as a running backs coach. I wouldn't mind him doing something of that nature. But as far as like you know, being a coordinator or you know just these praises of er- that everybody's given out. I, I don't think that's really good for our future. I would just want to say thanks, but no thanks. And, you know, let's just see where the rest of it goes. Here's where I tell you you're wrong. <laughs> um, he ain't coming as a, as a running backs coach. He ain't going anywhere as a running backs coach. He's never done that as far as I know. If he has, it's been a minute. His forte is coaching quarterbacks. Right. Well, quarterback, running back, whatever. And... It's true, he, he did not succeed at Colorado State. That's the reason he just lost his job there. The offense was always at least pretty good. And considering the, the conference that they're in, which we don't even know um, off the top of our heads, that's not bad. And, and I think he did make them a tick better offensively. Uh, it's just, I, end of the day, I don't think every coordinator is cut out to be a head coach. And I think Bobo probably fits that mold. This is his first test in that arena, but uh, as of right now, I don't think he is a, a, a long-term head coach anywhere. That's fine. Not everybody can be that. Uh, I think you go up the road to Columbia where you know Bobo could end up going to uh, South Carolina. I think the same is proving true with their head coach, Will Muschamp. Anyway, back to Bobo. I would love this because it is clear James Coley uh, for whatever reason, I don't think he is the offensive coordinator that Georgia needs. I understand, and, I, and I'll be the first to point out, he lost a ton of wide receiver depth to the draft and or graduation, and he also lost Isaac Nada there. So he had uh, a brand-new tight end coming in with Eli Wolf and uh, a bunch of uh, wet-behind-the-ears receivers who have not really taken a big step this year. I think the reason they haven't taken that step is is – 
a part of the coaching because, I mean, he's got to be able to get them ready to go. And they have so far not really done that. Now, they could come out and shop the world tomorrow. We'll discuss the likelihood of that in a minute. I don't see it happening. I think it's it was a good chance for Coley. I, I agree with uh, Kirby Smart giving him this opportunity this season in the wake of losing Jim Chaney. I think that experiment has kind of failed. Uh, that said, Georgia's still in a great spot. You can't really complain too much, but... I just look at what Mike Bobo did in the past at Georgia with lesser talent. He had, in my opinion, you know this, the greatest quarterback in Georgia football history for the last leg of that with Aaron Murray. He had him. He didn't have much else because the running back uh, spot for uh, suspensions and for graduation was never consistent. It was a big freaking deal when Ty Gurley was there as a starter two years in a row because it had been, I don't know how long, since Georgia had gone into back-to-back seasons with the same number one running back. So there's that element. There's the fact that they had good receivers, but they were not big-name receivers coming out of high school. It's just the coaching and the quarterbacking made them so much better. That is not the case now. Georgia has... Top of the shelf talent at literally every position on the offense. They need a coach who can get the most out of them. I think this entire season has proven that James Coley, a really good offensive coordinator, but he's not the guy to help Georgia take that next step, in my opinion. Bobo very well could be. You joke about the third and 20 and the half that draws and all that. Statistically, that is the right move to make. It's just Georgia fans got tired of seeing that every play. I'll admit I was part of that contingency for a long time, but the last three or four years, once you saw Georgia's offense reaching the levels it did with the records and uh, all the points they were putting up, let's not forget the fact that they did set numerous records with Bobo as the offense coordinator. I look at that and I look at the current talent they've got, and I just I salivate at it because this is the guy. This is the type of guy that Georgia needs to take the next step. And depending on what happens Saturday, close the gap between them and the LSUs and the Alabamas of the SEC with these high-potent offenses. Well, I will say, though, in his defense is if, you know, Colorado State's offense had the talent that Georgia's offense did, we could have saw something completely different. Absolutely. They probably could have went. 500 against Boise. They probably would have won all but one against Colorado. And I think Colorado State is really in a special spot that, you know, not many teams are in where two of your biggest rivals are number one in a higher tier conference than you are. And number two is a mid-major that just comes Mm -hmm. out and just shows off every year. So, I mean, in his defense, the battle was uphill to begin with. Absolutely. And offensively, he did a pretty good job. Now, defensively, there's a reason May lost his job as head coach. He couldn't put it all together. But it was clear that he still had the touch with the offense. And I I really hope if worse comes to worse and and Kirby Smart has to let go of Coley completely, I I would take it if if Mike Bobo is his replacement as offensive coordinator. I would love for both of them to remain on the staff because Coley did some pretty good work uh, in recent years as a lower assistant. I just don't think he's necessarily the coordinator that they need. Bobo very well could be. And me personally, I hope to see it happen. I hope Kirby calls up his best man, Bobo, and keeps him away from Muschamp because I don't want to see South Carolina get this this caliber of a coach. But uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch how all that plays out. And I think tomorrow's game between Georgia and LSU could uh, either accelerate or decelerate any development of Bubba coming back. Well, we've teased it. We're going to talk conference championship week, and we're going to start with tonight's game, number five, Utah versus number 13, Oregon. There's a lot of the line for Utah, maybe a lot of the line for Oregon. It's just going to take a few more pieces to fall. Do you think the Ducks win, or do the Utes win the Pac-12? I think we're going to have the Ducks come out and win this. Uh, I think that this matchup favors them. Um, I I think Herbert's going to come out and really, you know, this is going to be one time where people nationwide are watching the West Coast game. He's going to be able to show off, you know, for the first time since playing Auburn at the beginning of the season. And I think that he wants to come out on a high note. And I think for him that's more important than having any sort of Pac-12 team make a playoff. Um, 
I think that uh, Utah does have a good defense. Uh, I wouldn't quite call them, you know, SEC quality or anything like that, but they can get the job done. I think there's going to be some challenges there, but I still think at the end of the day, Herbert is able to ball out and get this win. Yeah, Utah's got a much stronger defense. Their quarterback's pretty good, too, Tyler Huntley. It's going to be competitive, but Herbert has all the experience in the world. And let's not forget, he's about to be going to the NFL in a few months, and he's looking around and seeing the guys like Joe Burrow. And for a lot of people, they assume Tua, talking about Lowe, is still going to the NFL. Those guys are, are bigger names than he is. He has lost a lot of his shine the last couple of years. This is one good final opportunity to really make a statement individually, and I expect him to ball out. Oregon wins 38-30. I mean, that's the downside of playing on the West Coast team. That's true. Uh, you know, now another championship taking place on noon on ABC. Those Bears from Wacko going up against <laughs> my Oklahoma Sooners. You know, uh, I'm really excited about this game. I'm going to let you go first because that's tradition. The person that's not the fan goes first. Yeah, um, it, it, this is a high-profile rematch. It's one of, what, two rematches in championship week. Baylor is out for revenge. they got to be after blowing, what was it, 28-3 to lead? 28-3 yep. to three lead, excuse me, to Oklahoma a few weeks back. But Oklahoma's backs are against the wall. The center's backs are against the wall. They have got something to prove because they have lost. You talk about losing some shine, losing some luster. Oklahoma's lost a lot of it this year because the first several weeks, Jalen Hurts was lighting the world on fire. People were, you know, tabbing him as a Heisman contender. And all of a sudden, about halfway through, they really started struggling. The defense especially got pretty bad, uh, including that first half against Baylor where they, they just absolutely got manhandled. But I think you have to trust Jalen Hurts. He has seen everything a college football quarterback can see, and he's seen it against better teams than Baylor. I think Oklahoma gets to win 44-40. It'll be another classic. But unlike the last time, I think it'll be neck and neck the whole way. No crazy, um, unlikely comeback to see. I think it'll be Oklahoma all the way 44-40. You see, this game scares me. And if I had not, and had I not <laughs> been watching Oklahoma and Baylor all season, and I was looking at it on paper, I'd say Baylor would come back and win this. And I would say that at that point, combined with uh, Oregon beating Utah and Georgia possibly going down to LSU, you would have a Baylor Bayer in the playoff. But I have watched these games all season. <laughs> I saw Baylor have to play an overtime against Texas Tech, who's not even making a bowl game. I saw Baylor go down to the wire against West Virginia, who's not going to a bowl game. I saw them give up the 28-3 lead to Oklahoma, and my tears became joy instead of, you know, just dismay. Oklahoma's going to come out, and they're going to come out firing all cylinders. They don't want to be exposed again. Once again... It's going to be focused on them. The nation's going to be watching Jerry World, waiting to see what happens. Jalen is going to have a phenomenal game. I think our defense is going to do a lot, a little bit better than what we did. We're not going to be perfect. We're still going to give up 30 points because that's what Oklahoma does. Uh, but I like Oklahoma, and I'll make an even bolder prediction right now. Okay. Depending on how the playoff situation comes out, if we have Oklahoma and LSU, Oklahoma wins. Oh, Oklahoma! I, you know, right now my gut tells me to agree with you. If we if we get to that uh, potential matchup, we will absolutely spend some time breaking down that game because that could be. I really wish you hadn't planted that idea in my mind because that could be an amazing. Game. It might be sixty six to sixty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we? Number 23, Virginia, faces number three, Clemson, the underdog, Clemson Tigers, who everybody counted out this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> we gave Georgia too much credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they play at 7.30 tomorrow night on ABC over in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium, home of Will Petty's Carolina Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, Will, do you think the Cavaliers have any shot? Well, they have a shot. I mean, the thing that you got to keep on thinking about is just Clemson has not played anybody. Now, is Clemson still a good team? Could they come out and win this? Yeah. But, you know, I think Virginia's had a bit more of a challenge than Clemson has. But I'm still going with Clemson by, like, 20. But, yeah, Virginia does have a chance. The question, though, is if Virginia pulls an upset, is Clemson still a playoff team? I don't think so. I think it's going to depend on everything else that we're discussing here. Uh, but that that is, I, I think of all the potential scenarios, that's the one that would cause the most chaos, I think, is if undefeated Clemson does lose. But I agree with you. I don't see it happening. Look, Virginia, congratulations. You made it to the conference championship. Now come get your butt kicking and go play in some irrelevant bowl game. Virginia might make a couple of big plays here and there, but... Virginia versus Clemson, they're just so outmatched at this point. And let's not forget, even though we agreed it was ridiculous, Clemson has this chip on their shoulder. Dabo Sweeney wants to send some kind of message. I, I don't I don't know what clearer message it could be. They've beaten the last teams by scoring over 50 points in the last few weeks. But I think Clemson does roll 48-13. Next, uh... 8 o'clock on Fox at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Number one, Ohio State. Number eight, Wisconsin. A rematch I don't think any of us really thought was going to happen, but here we are. Who do you got? Uh, this past Saturday, as we mentioned on last week's show, Trevor and I went up to the Georgia-Georgia Tech game. Uh, long story short, it was kind of a bad day for me. My camera completely died on me. Well, at least you didn't have uh, you know, a brawl stop it. That's true. That is very true. Uh, and as we left the stadium, either Trevor I won looked up the Ohio State-Michigan score, and obviously we saw that Ohio State took care of business, won big, and against the hope of all three of us, Michigan did not win. And I told Trevor, it's time to stop doubting Ohio State. Ohio State has passed every single test on its schedule this year. Every time we say this could be the week, they come out and win convincingly. You're picking Wisconsin. And so I think think history is going to repeat itself. Ohio State won the first game between these two teams on October 26th, 38-7. And early in that game, Wisconsin did keep it close, just could not move the ball offensively. And uh, I think that's going to prove true again. I don't think their offense is dynamic enough. Uh, I had to be convinced and won over numerous times by LSU, and I finally gave in and admitted that LSU is that good this year. And I think I've reached that point with Ohio State. I've said for weeks they're probably the most complete team in football. Um, it, it's I'm sold on it now. They, they're they're going to win this game 38-13. And they'll go in. So they'll get another six points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think weather was a big factor in that first game, too, if I'm not mistaken. Because I, I want to say it was kind of rainy and windy. I think it was the day that Georgia lost to South Carolina, wasn't it? I want to say. It, it was one of those weeks where it was kind of rainy and dreary, and I think that affected both teams. It slowed down Ohio State a little bit and definitely slowed down Wisconsin. I, I think on a neutral site – in a in a dome, uh, Wisconsin's able to move it a little bit more, but Ohio State's just too good. Man, rain shouldn't stop the Badgers. <laughs> but uh, you know, you always are told to go against the team in the rematch, right? When no, I'm not. I'm, 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 I was trying to do a little bit tease, but there's no way to do this tease. So Ohio State's got this by 24 points. I yeah. I mean, I finally watched their defense play a couple times. Saw them do a couple drives. Nobody in the Big Ten stopping Ohio State. There's about four teams that might can do it, and uh, two of them we're going to be talking about next, and the others might have been Alabama and uh, Clemson, maybe. But uh, yeah, I, I just think Ohio State's too good, and I got Ohio State by 24. All right, we, we got all those out of the way. I think, truthfully, outside of Oklahoma, maybe, we, we don't really care too much about these because they're probably – Pretty easy to call. This next one has some people divided. Number four, Georgia takes on number two, LSU. Are you going to be a heel here? In the SEC Championship, 4 o'clock Eastern 
on CBS. I will be there on the sideline watching it all unfold. Humble brag. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, I I am so torn on this because my mind is telling me LSU has the best offense in the in the SEC. Let's just call it. First of all, these are the two best teams in the SEC. Yeah. I think in years past we've kind of been robbed of this type of matchup. We got the two best, no doubt. Uh, and obviously, the last couple of years with Georgia and Alabama, then Georgia Auburn. Uh, so it's a nice little stretch here of really, really intriguing SEC championship games after a couple of duds. So I, I think, first of all, Georgia's defense is going to keep Georgia in this game for a good little while. Georgia has a much better shot at winning this than LSU and a lot of other people seem to think. Uh, defense keep it close early. If Georgia's running game can be effective and they can control the pace of the game and slow down LSU's offense either by keeping <laughs> keeping the ball away from them or defensively just stopping them, then Georgia can absolutely hang in this one. I think it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be a close victory for Georgia, you know, three to six points, something like that. They win it by a couple of Rodrigo field goals. Or LSU wins and at the last couple minutes is comfortable. They're just running out the clock. My heart tells me pick Georgia because I think they had that potential to just come out and shot the world. But, again, LSU hammered it into my mind all season long that they are the real deal. I think LSU's time is coming this year. I don't think Georgia's the team to do it. LSU wins 30-20. to 20. <sighs> and if that's a heel turn, then that's a heel turn. By the way, I, I heel turned on my uh, my Golden Gophers. Man, they've just crashed and burned <laughs> ever since then. Well, I am going to keep the faith because we're just going to lay down a few facts here. Number one, LSU has played no defense comparable to Georgia. Number two, LSU has struggled with a lot of teams that Georgia essentially controlled the game against. Now, last weekend, we saw we saw A&M LSU, and LSU just put the pedal to the metal and did not look back a single time, however many, you know, colloquial sports things you want to say. <laughs> I mean, basically, uh, A&M got their butt stomped. There's more reasons for that than, you know, what we could really have to talk about. I think the main reason for that was the seven overtime game where they lost. And, you know, I think after losing to Georgia A&M, just decided to hang it up. Like, better luck next year. We're going to have an easier schedule. I like Georgia in this game. And I'm picking Georgia. And here's okay. why. Once again, the defense. Number two, I think that uh, one problem that Georgia's had all season long is they have just been too conservative. They will control the game for three quarters, and then they'll just let their team get right back into it. I think Kirby is starting to learn his lesson with that, and I think he's getting that. You, you cannot be doing this week in and week out, especially against top ten teams. We saw it with Florida where it almost went away. Saw it with Auburn, where we were up by three touchdowns, and Auburn just came back-to-back really quickly. I don't think we're going to do that again. Not not this time. I mean, we got luck. We got lucky two times. Well, really, three times we count Notre Dame. He's not doing it the fourth time. I think we're going to go in, and I think we're going to probably have our most impressive offensive performance. And that's not to say anything about Coley. I think this is more of a smart. Hmm. But uh, I think that uh, we will find a way to keep our points up, especially given how mediocre the Tiger defense is. I don't think it's mediocre. I think it's bad. I mean, it's the same Tiger defense that gave up 31 points to Vanderbilt. Uh-huh. It's the and, same Tiger defense that gave up 38 points to who we thought at one point was a good Texas team. Well, and they gave a bunch to uh, Ole Miss. Yeah. Well. Georgia is not that. All right. You know, I'm not saying that our offense is great. But we're certainly better than Vanderbilt's. We're yeah. certainly better than Ole Miss's. So I think that uh, it, with that in mind, there's not going to be much of a problem. So with those in, those things in mind, I've got Georgia. Defense wins championships. 
I will say, ooh, ooh. I don't even have a score. It's going to be close, but I wonder if it, it, one of two things is going to happen. I could see Georgia winning it by three, or I could see LSU just crumbling at not having played a defense like ours and it being a multi-score game. But I will go with the former. I'm going to say Georgia by three. Georgia makes the playoff. LSU does too. One of us gets Clemson. One of us gets Ohio State. Then we'll see. To your point about Kirby Smart's um, conservative approach wants to get a big league, that has killed Georgia the last two times they played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That too. I don't want to relive those, but go with me for a second. Should have beaten Alabama in the national championship. Yep. Absolutely should have beaten Alabama in last year's SEC championship. Yeah. The beatdown that Clemson gave, gave Alabama nearly. Is what had, Kirby should have done. Should have yeah. given. Absolutely. To the words out of my mouth. I think at this point, if Georgia gets the opportunity to do the same thing against LSU, he's going for the throat. Oh, yeah. I think he knows that. And he alluded to this after uh, the Auburn game. He's like, yeah, we, we've got to put these teams away. I think they did that against Georgia Tech. There was no doubt that Georgia Tech was losing that game. There was no danger of Georgia blowing it. But they came out in the second half Saturday throwing the ball, going for the big plays, rather than just three yards in a cloud of dust and then we'll punt it away. Right. I think that mindset has shifted. And if Georgia does get the opportunity, I think you're absolutely right. I think they go for the jugular and they put this thing away. Either way, we're going to watch it all unfold Saturday. And next week on Any Given Friday, we're going to come together, uh, hopefully with all three of us, hopefully Trevor will be back. And we are going to react to all of the conference championship out uh, fallout. Excuse me. And... I, I think we'll have our final rankings by then. I think they come out Sunday morning, so we'll react to those. and We'll dig into the college football playoff as it stands. But next week we're going to be back, and we're going to also talk a little bit more about local sports. It's just this week was a little bit different with Trevor being out. Hopefully he'll be back, and we'll have our full show for you. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're excited to watch it, and we hope you are too, and hope you come back next week, and we'll break it all down. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.